I'm Alex Mosad, and welcome to Winner Take All, where we talk about the constant battle to fight back and win against big tech monopolies. So, first topic is one that probably wouldn't come to as much of a surprise that inflation is everywhere, uh, particularly this thing called asset price inflation. I've had some economists on the show. Um, the economists generally are more reticent, so more than others, uh, to admit that there is actual real inflation. But what they can all agree on is that there is absolutely asset price inflation. What does that mean? Uh, it's just inflation in, in assets, not uh, consumable spending right on like everyday goods, but instead on um, stocks, on uh, housing, on something I know a little bit about, tech companies. CB Insights recently came out with their state of venture report from Q2 2021. And boy, this thing is a boondoggle. You look at these stats, and I've been looking at these stats for years. This is not normal. <laughs> like this, this does not happen. 136 new unicorns, a record high. This past quarter saw the birth of 136 new unicorns. That's more than one a day. Nearly six times the 23 unicorns in Q2, the same period last year. Now, you could say, you know, Q2, right? COVID had just hit. But in all of 2020, there was 128 unicorns, right? So these are tech companies that received a billion dollar or more valuation, right? So they were sub a billion dollars and they raised more money at uh, uh, at least a billion dollar valuation. So that kind of gets your eyebrows going, right? 93% Silicon Valley jump in funding. It's a 93% year-over-year jump in the amount of deals that they're funding. 2,893 M&A and IPO exits, up over 100% year-over-year. That's just the count. It's not the total uh, you know, value. Just things are popping off. This is the graph of uh, unicorn births. Look, the peak that it ever got to in any quarter was 51. And we just did 136. What? What? This is global funding. 156 billion. The highest quarter ever was 78 billion in Q4 of 2018. We just did 156. Literally double. People don't know where to put all this money. We've printed so much money, there's nowhere to put it. So basically, that's the report. It's a 190-page report. That's the report. Valuations are absolutely insane. That's why everyone's just IPOing. I mean, look at this, right? Nextdoor is going public at uh, for, for a $4.3 billion valuation via SPAC. They're going to get uh, almost $700 million fundraise. The next store was last valued at $2 billion in September 2019. This jump actually isn't as drastic as some others that I'm about to uh, read off to you. They raised $170 million in September 2019. Now it's July 2021. We've printed trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. Not even looking at the other, you know, stats around the growth of the company or, or lack thereof, right? But this is actually, to me, a slow growth company that they only uh, barely doubled their valuation in um, 
less than two years from September of 2019, that is that is a very a small valuation growth uh, relative to all the other stuff that's going on right now. Does that mean they have worse performance? Maybe. But you get the point, right? Like that's actually a small leap. Another company, which I love, I love this company, uh, Zometry. They uh, just went public in the past few weeks. Zometry is a B2B marketplace. It's a little bit different version of a B2B marketplace. Most of the time when I talk about B2B marketplaces, I'm talking about kind of like uh, pure play product marketplaces. Zometry is actually like contract manufacturing. So yes, you're buying a product. That product is being custom made for the business customer by, uh, they have a network of over 5,000 of these kind of smaller machine shops, like metal machine shops, many of them, but different types of machining shops you can see here. Their customers are like NASA, for example, or um, uh, automotive manufacturers. They've got Bosch here and Dell and GE, right? So you need a part, you need you know, a smaller quantity of the parts, but they need to be, uh, you know, you need them uh, uh, made and and specifically made. Um, so if you need replacement parts, if you're prototyping for uh, you know, certain parts on new products, for example, very like fast turnaround time, very customized, right? Um, not kind of like mass production, I'm making thousands of these units. A smaller quantity, very customized, replacement, prototyping, that kind of stuff. Uh, but much higher margin uh, generally on those kinds of products than the mass production uh, type of stuff. So love this company. Super cool company in in the B2B space, which I, you know I love so much. And they just went public. Really good growth. Almost 100% year-over-year growth from 2019 to 2020. Top line looking at revenue, 80 to $140 million. So what is this company valued at? $3 billion. It actually opened at $87 a share. It's now at 70. So it was actually opened at more. Where they raised their money, they being Zometry, because they raised at a $1.9 billion price and then it opened even higher. They raised $300 million as a part of this IPO. And now it's at $3 billion. So actually, you know, they did pretty well or, or their investors did well. They actually left money on the table. But let's take a step back. It is now currently valued at $3 billion. Actually, when they raised their equity from the banks leading up to the IPO, they raised it a $1.9 billion valuation. In September of 2020, so not 2019 like Nextdoor, but 2020, like less than a year ago, they raised $75 million at roughly a $550 million valuation. Then less than a year later, they raised going into the IPO at a $1.9 billion valuation. Yes, that's almost four times. And now currently on the public stock market, on, listed on the NASDAQ, they have over a $3 billion valuation. I love this company. In 2020, now we, do, we don't exactly know, you know uh, where 2021 will close out for them. But in 2020, they did $140 million in revenue. Now, what is revenue? Revenue for them is actually really GMV because this cost of revenue is basically what, what the company is paying out to the third-party sellers. So this $141 million minus the 108, this $33 million, technically to me, that's revenue. Technically. They're classifying, to me, 
what should be GMV as revenue. It's fine. Nothing wrong with that. That's just how they're doing it. That's how I think about it. However you want to look at it, $140 million in GMV, you will see 10x GMV to EV multiples. You will see that. Um, We've covered that before on the show, public companies. But now it's currently valued. It's actually over $3 billion. So let's say that this is on track to be at $300 million in GMV over the course of 2021. Then you could say we're in the ballpark on the $3 billion valuation. That's not where it is today, right? And I think that would probably be where the most favorable projection would be. That would be more than 100% year-over-year GMV growth. They're doing maybe 80% year-over-year. I feel like where they raised the $300 million, 1.9, that makes more sense to me. You're seeing this kind of asset price inflation everywhere, everywhere. I don't know how much longer it lasts, but if you're one of these tech companies, I mean, take advantage of it while you can, right? Because this thing won't last forever. And when it, when it crashes, it's going to crash pretty hard. Uh, it's clearly a bubble. We're clearly in a bubble. Could not be any clearer that we're in a bubble. You got to secure the bag while you can. Lots of interesting activity. Uh, in in the tech and IPO market. Now, not to disappoint, Etsy. Uh, I just covered Etsy's acquisition of Depop and was very bullish on it. Really love it. And I was saying I really love the moves that uh, the Etsy leadership team has been making. And then right after they do that, boom, acquiring this company called Elo7. Much smaller acquisition, $200 million uh, compared to Depop, which is a you know low single-digit billion, I think maybe th- around $3 billion. Now they're moving into Latin America. So this is you got a new CEO here. Uh, o- old CEO was a guy named Chad Dickerson. The current CEO was on the board of Etsy. Then uh, Chad stepped down in uh, 2017. Then uh, the current CEO, Josh, took over. And I think, you know, what's really been a a wind in Josh's sale is COVID. Etsy thrived, uh, easily over tripled their market cap. You look back on Etsy here. Look back on Etsy, yeah. Uh, February 2020, $50 a share. It's a fourth of what it is today. So they were doing, you know, they were a five, six billion dollar market cap company. Now they're over twenty billion dollars. Now they're really in the next league. Once, once these uh, platform platforms hit, kind of in the in the twenties of uh, market cap, they start to be able to throw around some of their weight and bolt on other up and coming tech platforms. It's really great. It's really interesting to see. That is a great way to think about competing and growing at that scale, right? So they got a huge bump from COVID. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been able to do the kinds of deals that they're doing. You look at how the big tech monopolies, you know, what were the key moves that they made over their history? They did a lot of it through M&A. Facebook and Instagram, Facebook and WhatsApp, uh, Google and YouTube, Google and Android, really. Google and, you know, fill in the blank. It just, the, the list keeps going on and on and on. I mean, they, they make some bad acquisitions, but some of, these, some of these acquisitions have been real home runs for them. One of the things that the regulatory environment is doing is it's, it's and the regulatory, the legislative environment, uh, it's making it much more difficult 
for these big tech monopolies to use M&A anymore. So it's really hampering that ability for them to propel growth, which may not hit their ability to censor and take advantage of producers uh, directly on the head. But, you know, that's fine. In the grand scheme of things, it's battle. And you use the tools that you have available to you. This is hand-to-hand combat. And the tech monopolies have been winning for years, if not over a decade. No legislator has been able to do anything material to them. No regulator has been able to do anything material to them. The competition, they buy it. Or they copy it and they stamp it out. So how do you compete? You got to take away something to, or and, and certainly they take advantage of the producers. They've been doing that for over a decade now. And that's where they eke out extra margin and all this kind of stuff. But by hamstringing at least M&A, whether or not it's materially uh, um, anti-competitive or not, if you can hamper them, we should absolutely absolutely be doing it because nothing else is working right now. All the legislation and stuff that I talk about, all the, the regulatory stuff that I talk about, we're years out from that. So if you can turn up the heat and, and really ultra scrutinize and any and all of these M&A deals, which I was just covering on the last episode about Facebook's acquisitions coming under huge scrutiny, I think this is going to happen across the board, across really all the tech monopolies. I actually think it's a good thing. The Great Awakening has started in the United States about the transgressions of big tech, that we're in an information warfare, that big tech needs to be reined in, and big government. People are waking up, gang. So Instacart expected to IPO second half of this year. Aperva is timing this thing beautifully where the company is going to IPO. And I think, I think this guy is ready for the next thing. Well, clearly he's ready for the next thing. He just stepped down as CEO or announced his successor. Instacart founded in 2012. It'll be a little less than 10 years. And uh, Aperva is the CEO and that he is bringing in a new CEO. Uh, this lady here, Fiji Simo. Aperva is going to become the executive chairman right right as Instacart goes into IPO. And Fiji is going to come in and be the new CEO. What Instacart's been doing over the past number of months is they've just been grab happy, just just taking Facebook execs and really key people at Facebook left and right and bringing them into the company. Why are they doing this? Because, and we had uh, my managing partner and CTO, uh, Tree Tran, former uh, CEO and co-founder of Munchery, came on a few episodes ago to talk about what Instacart's trying to do to gear up for an IPO and blow out new revenue streams, namely advertising. So highly recommend you go watch that interview. We really go deep into the nuance of advertising models and what kind of friction that that could cause for Instacart, particularly with their retail partners. But clearly the advertising there is to connect the, uh, the, the food manufacturers, the suppliers with the consumer and right help bridge that gap, which again causes friction with who the retailers, because that's what retailers right they you know uh, you get shelf placement fees and and where do you place your product in the store? It's a very big business for these retailers, so it's causing a lot of friction. It's a very big move, very delicate move. But Instacart has has had a challenge to monetize. It does huge volumes, huge GMVs, but how do they make money off of that? Right, because there's very little margin when they take the product from a retail store. How do you, how do, you know, they tried in the old days to, 
to put additional fees on top of the the product from what it was being sold for in the store. Very difficult to do and expect consumers to really enjoy that experience. That's a pretty pricey value proposition. So they're really going full bore into advertising. And this um, announcement here, I mean, all but absolutely confirms that doubles down, triple down, uh, that Fiji is going to be CEO as of August 2nd. You know, it's great because Aperva couldn't do this move right after you right right after you IPO, right? I mean, that would certainly cause a lot of jitters amongst investors. So he's got to do it now. And he's handing over the reins to uh, someone new from outside the company, from Facebook. They know a thing or two about advertising business models. There's a whole cadre of Facebook uh, folks that have already come over to Instacart. Probably, I'm sure, more to come. And, uh, you know, we will see how that goes. They've already disintermediated the retailers from the consumer. I think really this is theirs to lose at this point. Very delicate. You don't want to you don't want to do the transition too hard or too aggressively and really piss off these people. It's like uh, boiling a lobster or boiling a frog, whatever the analogy is. It's got to be a slow cook. Can't bring this thing to boil right away. Frog's going to jump out. Slow cook. So um, I'm going to end on this note. Little Fourth of July lesson. And um, it comes a little bit belated, but figure it's it's nice to kind of you know remember, take a, a a moment to remember how great this country is. So, um, in the period between the Battle of Yorktown and the signing of the peace treaty with Britain, King George III was sitting for a portrait by the great artist Benjamin West, who had been born and raised in Pennsylvania. The king asked West what General Washington intended to do. Once the treaty was signed, West told the king that Washington intended to resign his commission and retire to Mount Vernon. So what this is saying is that uh, Washington is is going to, you know, relinquish his power as president and uh, pass, pass the baton. If he does that, said the astonished king, he will be the greatest man in the world. So, in April of 1814, Napoleon was forced to abdicate and was exiled to Elba. Lord Byron, the next morning, wrote his famous ode to Napoleon Bonaparte. Here is the last verse. Where may the wearied eye repose when gazing on the great, where neither guilty glory glows nor despicable state. Yes, one, the first, the last, the best the Cincinnatus of the West, whom envy dared not hate, bequeathed the name of Washington. To make man blush, there was but one. Happy Fourth, everyone. Two stories here. Basically, when this country was founded on, and as exemplified in these two stories, what we've built, or you know, what the Constitution, the Republic, it's a thing of beauty. It was something never seen before in the history of the world. Still hasn't been replicated. No one, no other nation has done this. This system of government, uh, this peaceful pa- transfer of power, and you can see it here. Uh, you know, from the king saying, "Who would ever do that? Why would you ever relinquish the throne? Right? Why would you ever pass the power? If he does that," said the astonished king, "he will be the greatest man in the world." 
that stuff didn't happen in history, right? It's just not the way the world worked. Very special what we have here. Uh, thank you very much for joining us today on Winner Take All. I will talk to you soon.